Hi, I'm Tom Marks with the Marks Law Firm, and welcome to the Healthy Family Law Attorney. Today we have an interview. We have a, a guest with us. He is a private investigator in the state of Florida. His name is Ollie Phipps, and he has, let's see here, he has graduated from the University of Central Florida. He's a former U.S. Air Force Office of Special Investigation Special Agent. He's been in the investigative industry for over 35 years. Uh, he has uh, served in detachments in Texas, the Philippines, and in Florida. He's a state licensed private investigator. Um, he does litigation support and surveillance. Ali, welcome to the channel. Thank you, Tom. How are you today? Uh, a little chilly. How about you? Yeah, it's a cold one. Even though we're in Florida, it's uh, <laughs> in the 30s last night, even in Central Florida. So, okay. Um, so, Ali, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I enjoy the litigation support work uh, that I do. Uh, as you can imagine, as a PI, we get a lot of family law related inquiries. So, um, it's it's gratifying to do that. I, I've got two uh, teenage kids, and uh, I, I like to know that uh, families are, are getting along and, and justice is being had. Well, good. Um, Ali, so our purpose here is because we believe families matter. We want to provide hope and help to families to successfully navigate the family law process in a healthy way. And I know you support family law attorneys in um, litigation, obviously. So tell us. How do you uh, provide help to families in either the divorce case or a paternity case with regard to helping ensure the well-being um, of the minor children? Uh, great question. We, uh, you mentioned about uh, doing litigation support and surveillance, and of course, there's a lot of surveillance that goes into litigation support. In particular, for child well-being cases, You've got to look out for neglect or abuse uh, that's going on. And pretty much the only way uh, that you're going to find out too much about that is going to be through surveillance. I had a case once where a, uh, a pit bull was not supposed to be around a child. And uh, we were able to document that, that the dog was uh, regularly around the child. And so um, we were able to provide that, uh, that evidence. Uh, to the attorney. Also, background checks come into play. Let's say that you've got a situation where one spouse or the other who's going through a divorce is associating with um, individuals, uh, perhaps have a serious criminal record, something like that. Uh, obviously, there may be a concern for undesirable folks um, having uh, access to the children during the time-sharing periods. Okay. Well, good. Also, um, talking about children, uh, another important factor is child support. And in so many family law cases, I run into situations where you have a deadbeat parent who's not paying the child support. My client needs that. Obviously, the court uh, will order that regardless. Neither parent can waive child support. So how do you help the parent that's supposed to receive the child support get that from a parent that's not paying it. 
Right. So surveillance would come into play typically in that uh, scenario as well, where you're establishing uh, income and perhaps assets. So uh, we'll usually set up uh, early on a weekday at the subject's residence, and then we'll simply follow them to their place of work. Now, mind you, in this age of uh, COVID, uh, a lot of people are working uh, remotely, but there are still folks who are required uh, to go to a workplace. We had a client who was a grandfather of a child, and the uh, father of a child was uh, suspecting, uh, was uh, telling them that uh, he couldn't work, hadn't worked, that kind of thing. And sure enough, we we set up and we uh, we followed him to work. And and first day out, we've got uh, video evidence of him uh, actively working and and indeed working a a full day. So that uh, that enabled our client to go back and um, and refuse the the modification that the husband wanted in the in the child support. Okay, so. I know that a lot of times um, one or well, usually one of the parents, uh, former spouses, is uh, working under the table, getting paid in cash. And that's always difficult, right? Because as the attorney, um, if the uh, that parent uh, does not report that income on the financial affidavit, although that is considered fraud on the court, it's up to us to prove that the parent has income. And that's one of the more difficult things I find is where uh, a parent is being paid under the table. He's a day laborer or he's working for a family member. Uh, do you, do you uh, find those situations in your investigative work also? Oh, certainly. Certainly. And, and they, they tend to be a little bit more discreet about uh, the work that they do if they're getting paid under the table. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that surveillance is not going to suss them out. Um, but uh, certainly there's plenty of occasions where we've been told that uh, somebody is not uh, claiming their income. Right, right. Okay, so let's switch gears here a little bit. Another uh, big issue or hot topic is cohabitation. So in Florida, we have a statute. Uh, if one of the parties is receiving alimony and then is cohabitating with someone else, it has to be in, quote, a financially supportive relationship uh, in order for the court to come in and either modify the, uh, the alimony downward or actually end the alimony. So it's an important factor. There's a lot of history on that I could get into at some point. But um, so uh, I've been doing family law for 35 years, and I have uh, many times employed the services of a private investigator to find out, okay, is that former spouse cohabitating? What are some of the indicia of a supportive relationship? I know you've had to work in that. Tell us about your experience. Sure. Uh, once again, surveillance is going to be the uh, at least initial solution to that. You're going to find out if they are cohabitating simply. And all that entails usually is a drive-by uh, the the residents look for especially if they uh, park the uh, the vehicle outside. Then you document that vehicle being uh, consistently present at the residence late at night, uh, particularly. 
and that uh, usually sews up the cohabitation portion of it. In terms of a financially supportive relationship, you've got um, uh, the way of inferring that from the expenses that you witness. So let's say that we see them go out for expensive meals or go on trips um, or even to an extreme, put up a love nest for somebody, then those are going to be uh, indicators of a financially supportive relationship. Right. Yeah. So in addition to looking at if they've changed their mailing address, we look at did the new significant other change their Florida driver's license address to that location? Those are clear indications that they're cohabitating. And I know you see that too. Certainly. we. We've had cases before where either the vehicle registration itself is uh, has been changed to that address or the driver's license address. And in particular, if a vehicle registration shows joint ownership, well, you know, that's going to be hard to defense. Right. Good point there. Um, OK, let's talk about another um, significant issue, and that is cheating. OK. So is there adultery going on? Um, now, it's an interesting topic because um, even though in the Florida statutes, chapter 6108, it says adultery is a factor for alimony, um, you have to read on because the Florida Supreme Court has ruled that adultery is not a factor in determining either the amount of alimony or whether there's going to be alimony. But adultery does come into play or cheating does come into play uh, for moral fitness and um, for dissipation of assets. If uh, the spouse is spending money, usually some significant money, buying jewelry, trips, hotel rooms, whatever, on the uh, adulterous relationship. So what are some of the other issues that you find in that area with cheating in your surveillance? Well, certainly we've documented all those things that you just mentioned. Uh, we we have documented the the meals, the jewelry, the trips. Um, we've done interviews with coworkers because keep in mind you've also got an angle where um, there may be some sexual harassment uh, taking place. But outside of the workplace, you also want to establish uh, moral fitness and. I've recorded liaisons before where uh, I recall a, a gal picked up a guy at a bar and, and went out back and moved the child seat from the back seat to the front so that they could get in the back seat. Typical things like that um, you, you run into on a somewhat routine basis. I mean, when you think of PIs, you often think about infidelity. But in the sense of family law support, you want to make sure that those things are probative. Right. And I can tell you that even if the statute says it's not relevant for alimony purposes, um, I've seen many cases, I've been in trial where it has come out that there's been this cheating and it does affect the judge's opinion of, of that spouse. So. I know that it's helpful to families in those situations to have you come in and uh, or one of your um, other um, private investigators and testify. Tell us uh, a little bit about some experience you've had testifying in that area. 
Well, it's it's fortunate that uh, having been in the business as long as I have, we've got in-house employees, but I have a wide, wide network of trusted uh, both general colleagues to assist uh, in cases, as well as specialized college uh, colleagues rather to assist when necessary. You may have uh, a need for digital forensics, for instance, to check out somebody's phone or computer. Uh, you might need a uh, technical surveillance countermeasures sweep for bugs or hidden cameras or what have you. We've had that in uh, family law cases before. Uh, closed circuit TV, there may be a need for some unattended uh, coverage of um, certain locations as, again, as it relates to the family law case. So um, I'm very fortunate to be able to draw upon uh, both the specialties and the skills of, uh, of these colleagues that I've developed uh, over the years. Hmm. And I think that's important. Um, it kind of leads me to my next question. Um, I had a situation one time where we had a private investigator follow one of the parties who said they were going to visit a family member and actually drove into uh, Orlando International Airport, got on a plane, and flew out west to another city and the client called the investigator and said, or the, I'm sorry, the investigator called the client and said, hey, they just got on a plane going out of state. Obviously that couldn't get a ticket that fast, continued the surveillance. So they had the resource to call another investigator out in that uh, state who could meet the plane, who could follow and see what was going on. And it turned out um, it was significant, a significant waste of marital assets and uh, adultery and, and all that. So, uh, which really kind of did help um, us resolve the case uh, favorably for our client. Um, do you have out of state or out of town colleagues, uh, other professionals, uh, independent contractors that you work with that can help us? Oh, absolutely. I, I devote a lot of time and energy in maintaining my network. And so you've got professional associations. I'm on the board of the Statewide Investigator Association, a member of a national uh, association, as well as an international association. And we keep in touch. I attend all the conventions, um, again, pre-COVID, but even now we're in the planning for uh, virtual conventions, and you've got regular email and phone contact. You've got listserv postings. So I expend uh, a lot of energy to stay up to date on what the capabilities are, where people are, and and how they can support us. And, and they send a lot of work uh, my way as well. So it's certainly a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, I think that's really helpful to have other uh, relationships all over the country like that and mm -hmm. all over the state so you can uh, help help out and provide those services wherever the need is. Okay, one last thing I want to talk about, and it's, it's something that I experienced that I wouldn't have thought of otherwise, and that is I had a case where um, my client wanted to surveil um, his spouse, and so they we hired a, a female private investigator, and we learned that people are not nearly as 
aware of a female person like just walking down the hall in the hotel behind them where if it had been a man, I think they would have been more cautious about it. Um, I'm sure you have female investigators that help out, but tell us a little bit about your experience there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They're, they're not only less suspicious to your subjects, but to witnesses as well. Um, I've got a couple of female employees that I routinely use. Um, and I would much prefer them to go out uh, on, I would say, a, a majority of the cases just because of that advantage. So you've got a situation, like you say, if you're on surveillance, um, people are, are absolutely not going to uh, suspect them nearly as much, or they could help provide cover for a male agent. In the case of witnesses, you know, oftentimes we've got to canvas neighbors and such as that, uh, and, and people are much more liable to open the door and talk to somebody, um, you know, instead of this uh, old man, um, you send a female out there and um, they're going to be uh, much less reticent to, to clam up. Right. You know, I have a question for our audience. Uh, have you ever felt the need for a private investigator in a family law or just a family dynamic situation to know whether there's, to confirm whether there's cheating going on or whether there is some type of uh, illicit relationship? Um, let us know. Put that in the comments section below. I'd love to respond to that. Um, Ollie would uh, respond to that also if you would like. Um, but, uh, has anybody ever used a private investigator in a family law case? That would be interesting too. Um, so Ollie, yep. do you have, do you have a, a healthy tip for our audience? This is the healthy family law attorney channel. And I always ask my uh, interviewee, if you have a healthy tip for our audience, I do. I glanced down a moment ago when you mentioned that because I, I think about my uh, cycle machine or whatever the proper term for uh, this machine is, is, and I haven't been doing it during the interview. I didn't want to distract people, but when I'm working alone, um, not on a Zoom call, as we often are, um, I, uh, I'm pedaling away and uh, just like a uh, stationary bike, It'll keep track of the calories burned and the distance uh, gone. But it's a way that I can amortize my time just sitting at my desk when I'm not out chopping wood or playing tennis to burn some more calories. Uh, that's a good idea. I know my Fitbit reminds me every hour to get up and do some, some steps. And I know I've read uh, that how important that is to just get up from your chair or in your case you found a way to stay at your chair and still get exercise un underneath that with the, the pedaling so good idea thank you ollie i appreciate that you're welcome so if you've uh, found any value in this uh, hit that like button uh subscribe to the channel uh, we're putting out new videos every friday with interviews and every uh, wednesday with legal content. So thank you for joining the channel today. Ollie, uh, 
appreciate you being here. If you have any final comments for us, I, I have enjoyed this. I hope our audience has too. No, I was uh, glad to be able to, uh, to uh, tell folks uh, how we can assist. And I appreciate you having me on, Tom. Well, thank you for sharing your 35 years of experience. Um, I, I just thought about it. Uh, it's funny because I've got 35 years of experience as an attorney, so we must have started our respective uh, vocations at about the same time. Right. So uh, thanks again for being here. We'll see you all next time.